Hello everyone and welcome to What Gets You Cooking, the podcast giving you a new way to look at food, cook it and share it. This is Virginie, your host, and every Thursday I'm publishing a new episode, a solo cast or interviewing a food expert to share our experiences and tips to simplify your cooking. Hello, hello everyone. Today in episode 9, my guest is Maxime Pouvreau founder of Petit Pot, who is going to share with us his perspective on food and his journey from an ambitious kid with a sweet tooth to a food entrepreneur. Hello and welcome, Max, and thank you very much for being our guest today. Thank you very much for having me. Pleased to be here. So we first met a couple of months ago at the Food Innovators Forum in San Francisco, and you are one of the experts invited to share your experience with other food entrepreneurs. Why don't we get started and um, you can tell us more about how it all started for you. How did you get interested in cooking or baking? Yeah, so I actually, my, my first memory, of the, I, I have this picture um, that my mother took when I was six or seven years old and I was making a, a cake and there's a picture of me pouring sugar into a, a, a mixer, a Kenwood mixer at my grandmother's house. And... And I really been surrounded by food my whole life and always had a sweet tooth. And, and so it was just kind of in me since day one. And, and when I was 12, um, I started to like actually be interested in being a pastry chef uh, professionally. And I would, I would visit the, the local pastry shop of where I grew up in the south of France. And during the school vacation, I would actually go there and work and and then at 15 i started my apprenticeship so in france we have this kind of vocational system where you can can be an apprentice and you work three weeks out of the month at a pastry shop or, or whatever uh trade that you you decide for me it was pastry and then one week out of the month i would go to a pastry college and i did that for about two years three years sorry um and yeah so this is kind of how my, my culinary career started and then eventually I moved on to work in other pastry shop around the world. I traveled quite a bit. And then I moved on to the restaurant industry and worked in fine dining restaurants in Paris and then eventually in England. And, and then when I moved to, to San Francisco about 10 years ago, I, that was, I came here to work at a, a Michelin star restaurant as well. Um, and this is kind of, yep. That was a really early vocation. That's so great. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of how it is in France when you um, do an apprenticeship, you start very young. Um, it's, it's, it has its pros and cons, but it, it worked for me pretty well. And what, uh, how did you realize that, um, you know, this was kind of a turning point for you? Did you uh, always kind of grow and went along the path or were there really important moments? I kind of always, like, I was from... From very young age, I was very determined to be a pastry chef, and and that was the thing. And I wanted to be the best, and I like worked at the best places I could possibly work at, uh, and learn from the best chefs. There wasn't really, and I was I'm pretty stubborn, and so that I knew I wanted to be a very good pastry chef, and so that's kind of what I went for. But then I did burn out a little bit. Um, by I mean after I think like seven to eight years working as a pastry chef, I was 
realizing that I don't think I could physically do this my whole life. It's, it's physically really difficult. How, um, how many hours a day were you cooking? Um, you cook for 12, over 12 hours a day. Um, it was definitely long, long weeks. Um, I've had weeks when I was, I remember being 16, my first uh, Christmas week and that pastry shop, I remember working 80, 85 hours or something like that. It was just crazy. Very intense, yes. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I was always, um, but I, I always wanted to start my own business. And so, and so this is why I, I kind of moved on to, to do what I'm doing now and started this um, petite pot business, which is not quite the same. I, I'm not over, I'm not cooking as much as I used to. I'm cooking for me personally, but I don't cook professionally anymore. Now I have um, a business where I'm, I'm more of a businessman than a, than a cook. So how did that transition go for you? I'm interested. Yeah, it, it went, it was very organic. Um, so at the, when I moved to San Francisco, um, I realized that I couldn't find the creamy desserts that I find everywhere in the grocery stores in France. And this is kind of how I had the idea that something was missing in the U.S. for premium puddings. And, and so I was working at a restaurant and I used their kitchen uh, at night when the restaurant was closed to develop the product and the recipes and the packaging. And then during the day, I would go sell it in the grocery stores in San Francisco. And I did that for a few months and then eventually it kind of grew and then I just couldn't manage to have the job at the same time. So I moved on to a, a commercial kitchen um, to make the product and I quit my day job and then it evolved. And then eventually I got a bigger kitchen and then now we moved to a, a big factory. It's a 20,000 square feet factory in, in the Bay area. Wow. That went pretty fast because, um, you started what, four, five years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're in actually 5,000 store. We're sold in 5,000 grocery stores in, in the country. Well, that's a, that's an amazing story. Stubbornness is not, um, it can be a real good strength to have. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, yeah, as a French person, I do agree with you. That was missing in the eyes uh, of the supermarket. So thank you for that. What, um, can I ask you, what's, what's your inspiration about um, food in general nowadays? Like, what um, do you like to cook? Is it depending on the season or? Yeah, I'm, I, so I'm, I'm very busy at work. Um, I have to say, so I, I don't have time to go shopping that much, except on weekends. And so my girlfriend, usually she shops, she goes to a grocery store. And then when I come home, I open the fridge, and I see what's here and I just come up with something. Um, I, that's kind of how I do. I open the fridge, I say, oh, here, there's some vegetables. It is seasonal because we, we tend to buy seasonal vegetables. Um, and I'm also try, we're also trying to eat less meat than we used to. I love meat, but I, we realize that it's not so great for the environment. So we're more pushing towards more vegetarian diet, uh, even though we're not vegetarians. Um, and yeah, I would open the fridge and see what's there and then just try to come up with something that is tasty and fresh. And um, do, you, do you think that it comes you know, from uh, good habits? Was it like a lot of people cooking in your family when you were younger or? Definitely. Because I know that I see a lot of people who are struggling and having ideas. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I also have 
sometime where I just don't know what to do and I do would open a, a cookbook. But yes, I think my, um, the fact that my family grew up cooking a lot and the fact that I've worked in restaurants my whole life makes it that I have a broader knowledge of what could be done with each ingredients. Um, so that makes it a little bit easier for me. Um, but sometimes I get stuck. And actually, in terms of inspiration lately, uh, there is a cookbook that I really like. It's called, um, the chef is called Otto Lenghi. It's a Middle Eastern cuisine. It's a mix between uh, Palestinian and, and Israeli food. And I find it very delicious and the recipes are very easy to make. Well, that sounds really yummy. <laughs> I love Middle Eastern food too. Um, so what, uh, do you share your food with a lot of people? How often would you say that, uh, you cook at home every day or a couple of times a week? Um, so I don't like to cook for myself. Um, so I love to cook for my girlfriend, but more, even better, I like to cook for multiple people. So I love to have friends over uh, and cook for, for them or family. And so I love to I mean, we have people over, I would say, twice a month or three times a month for dinner parties. And, but on a weekly basis, I cook, I would say, three times a week, three to four times a week. And then the rest of the time, it's either my girlfriend cooking or, or we go out to eat. I love to go out to eat. That's like, I think being in the industry of a restaurant for so many years, going out to eat is something that I really love to do. So we go out to eat on a regular basis. What's your top three favorite places to eat in the Bay Area um, at so, the moment? At the moment. So my number one is, it's been the number one for a long time. It's called La Chicha. It's a Sardinian restaurant in Noe Valley in San Francisco. It's a really small place. They've been there for like 15 years. The menu probably hasn't changed in 15 years either. Um, it's just very solid traditional food from Italy, Sardinia. Uh, and I find it very delicious. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two, I would say there's a, a restaurant called uh, Rich Table in San Francisco mm -hmm. uh, that I really like. Um, and then it's number farm to table, right? Yes, it's farm to table. And the chef is a chef that I used to work at, used to work with when I was at Qua in San Francisco. Um, and then on more like a lower end, just kind of casual. I really like Chinese food and there's an amazing Chinese restaurant in Auckland called Shandong that I think is amazing. They make their own pasta on the site and you can see them do the job and it's, it's fun and it's very delicious. Mm, I already had lunch, but now I'm, uh, I'm hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, um, what is the tool that you, uh, that you use at home most to cook? Is it like just a pan or do you have a special thing or a special tip maybe for people cooking at home and uh, trying to, to simplify the way they just envision cooking? Uh, actually, I, I do have something that I think is key that every French house has, but it's very hard to find in the U.S. sometimes, is a garlic crusher. Um, uh, yeah. I think that's super useful because when you crush the garlic it's so much it brings out so much more flavor because it grinds it much more finely um than cutting it with a knife it's also so much faster when you you take a, a, a clove of garlic and try and chop it really finely it takes so much time and effort but if you have the garlic press you just put it in there and crush it and it's very quick and delicious 
Yeah, it is true. I, I've seen that in a, in a lot of families and friends, but I, I don't see all of my friends having that and using that here. Yeah, it's very useful. Very, very useful. Um, so garlic is very healthy as well. Yeah, definitely. So that's great. Now I'm, um, I, I wanted to go back into uh, what you shared with us about how you always had that dream to become a pastry chef. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, uh, to ask you, what, what did it mean for you as a, as a child? Like, what did you envision when you were thinking about being a pastry chef? Eating lots of desserts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that was just uh, the appeal of sugar. Yeah, the appeal of sugar, definitely. <laughs> and also, I mean, there was also uh, a fact that I, I, I was never excited by the regular school system. Um, and I wanted to get out. And so I wanted to learn a trade. And that's, that's also part of it. But wanting to make desserts um, and knowing how to make delicious desserts like was something I really wanted to know. I was like, how do you make eclairs? Like, those eclairs look so amazing. How do you make that? So I just wanted to learn all those things. And, uh, and later on, when you got into, um, you know, um, Michelin restaurants, like how, how did you get that, that wheel to go and push through? Because you, as everyone knows or can probably guess, it's, it's very intense and um, you need to work, as you said, very long hours and mm -hmm. extra competitive. So what was, what was yeah, the dream like for you behind the, the, the drive to be the best, the drive to be good and learning from the best as well. So when you, it's almost when you get into those restaurants it's like they they see it as you it's a treat for you to to work for them like it's it's they're gifting you that opportunity uh, and in a way they are because you work with the best chefs in the world and you learn from them so it's it's learning that trade learning how to cook that was very motivating and, and driving and you work alongside the best pastry chefs and chefs in the world and then you learn from them it's just it was amazing. That was definitely what I was looking for is to, to learn that, learn those skills and learn how to make certain things and learn to make delicious food. But it is draining and it was very tiring. And if, well, eventually, like, I don't, know, I don't want to say emotionally, but you know how it can really be a struggle for certain people because it is really. Well, even emotionally, Spending, absolutely. Yeah. Physically, physically, it's difficult because you work long hours, but emotionally, it's difficult too because the people that your chefs, your supervisors, there, um, there is this kind of uh, this culture of of putting down people and screaming and yelling, and it's emotionally, it's very difficult. So how how did you make it through all that? What was your um just stubbornness and, and, and drive to learn, really. So that, um, that learning was really uh, what important most? Like Absolutely. To, uh, to get more tools and... Um... Yeah, and the passion for food. I mean, it's like you still love to cook at the end of the day and, and, and that kind of overcomes all the difficulties that comes with the training. Yeah, that's one of the things I, I was curious about. What's, uh, what's your favorite food in, uh, in this season, in the fall? Um, you know, it's funny. Like I, um, 
there's so many things that kind of I used to find kind of weird in America, <laughs> um, like pumpkin pie yeah. uh, and stuff like that. And I actually love it now. I love a good pumpkin pie. There's some really bad ones, but a good pumpkin <laughs> pie. Delicious. Yes. Um, and um, like so the whole Thanksgiving thing is, is awesome. I mean, I've been here for 10 years. I have family out here now. Like my, I have a U.S. family. And, and, do you, uh, and So do you cook a traditional um, Thanksgiving meal? Yeah, I mean traditional but upgraded. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like the the turkey. I think the turkey is often very bad if you go to a traditional American Thanksgiving. It's very dry, but there's there are ways to make it taste better by brining it or and doing it on a barbecue. So you can make a much better tasty turkey for sure. Well, that sounds yeah, that sounds great. My my husband is French and I'm French too. So we um, we took a, a couple of classes because we were really afraid of that dry turkey. Mm -hmm. so I what you mean? Yeah, brining it, brining is key. Yes. All right. Well, with all those tips, I just uh, want to thank you and ask you how we can know more about Petit Pop. Um, so you could look on our website www.petitpop.com or petitpop.com. Um, that's your find all the information. Also, you can find it at your local Whole Foods. It's in every Whole Foods in the country. Um, and uh, most of the Safeways as well. And, and you can find the product out there. And you can go on our social media, Facebook and Instagram pages where you can find some more information. Okay, well, great. Thank you so much for being with us today. And Thank have you. a great rest of the week. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Max. Bye. Bye. Thank you everyone for listening to our weekly episode of What Gets You Cooking. If you liked it, review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. That's the best way to support it. Thank you again and see you next week.